Hey there, this is Shoot the Flick, and I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And this week, we're finishing up our little um, Frankie takeover month of introducing Scott to movie adaptations of books. I'm really excited, not just because of this particular movie that we're going to talk about, but also because we have a very special guest with us. Yes, we do. A returning guest. Indeed, indeed. We have the man, the myth, the legend. You're you're making him feel self-conscious now. <laughs> Brucker of Autopsy of a Horror Movie. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you for that introduction. Yeah, it's great to be back on the show. And I just learned that this was actually Frankie's choice. I thought that this was Scott's choice, hands down. You would assume that because Scott's really the horror guy, you know. But uh, no, I faked you out, you see. Brooker, just to before we get into this thing, why don't you tell us about your podcast and what you do on your show? Because it's pretty fucking good, if you ask me. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Yeah, so my name's Brucker, and I host a horror movie podcast called Autopsy of a Horror Movie, and it's more of an analysis and attempt to study the, the genre. And so I just, I don't do like, scene by scene synopsis i kind of do more of an analytical approach to the movie so looking at the types of subgenres to films uh, bleed into the types of fears they play off of messaging and i always like to end each episode with a cabin in the woods a trinket what movie prop from that film which you put in the basement of a cabin in the woods to summon the evildoers from that and that's always like a fun goofy conversation so yeah autopsy of horror movie you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts Yes, and the reason we wanted Brucker here today, obviously, if you if you couldn't pick it up from that, we're talking about a horror movie today based on a horror book by the great Stephen King. Scott, what movie did I introduce you to today? Uh, you introduced me to Christine. Released in 1983. The John Carpenter yes. led Christine. Yes, John Carpenter both directed and did the music for this movie, which the score, I feel like, we we can discuss because <laughs> it's definitely I feel like a more understated, more subtle score from John Carpenter. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to I mean it, it it's good in points, but the soundtrack is really good. The yeah. soundtrack is so good in this. Just a quick little backstory for me why I wanted to pick this particular book slash movie. I picked this book up in a thrift store like years ago, and I just picked it up on a whim because I'm like that's the book about the killer car that's gonna be so stupid <laughs> what what a joy this will be to read this stupid book <laughs> it'll be so silly and then I read it and it like blew my mind of how fucking good it was I was like oh my god this movie about a killer car is making me like care about characters <laughs> like making me almost cry like what's happening here and um yeah and then I saw the movie and it's definitely got differences, a pretty major difference overall that we'll talk about. But even the movie is still pretty damn good. I feel like it kind of flew under the radar, though. So, uh, Brucker, what are your first thoughts about Christine? I think it's really good. I mean, it's the the direction of it's really well, which shouldn't be surprising considering John Carpenter is at the helm of this. I found it relatable, but 
not in a uh, like direct sense, but more of just, you know, I remember being in high school, getting my first car. It was a beater and just having that sense of freedom and you felt instantly cooler now that you have a car. Um, so all of that was really fun. And just like think about, you know, now all the possibilities, you know, like girls and going on dates and stuff like that. I, so it was kind of fun going down that memory lane. But then also you go, oh, yeah, people, high schoolers in particular are terrible people too yeah. <laughs> especially when they look like 40 year old men <laughs> like the fucking bully in this movie oh my god how do you do fellow kids what scott before i get into the preliminary fun factoids before we get to the nitty-gritty how did you feel about this movie i had a good time with this as well i enjoy the characters they were pretty good this isn't the only killer car movie out there there's, of course, Maximum Overdrive, which is another Stephen King story. Oh, yeah, that's the one with, like, the fucking Tonka trucks. That's literally Transformers, right? Yeah. I forgot about that. Yes, with the Green Goblin truck. There's a movie called The Car, which is a Jaws ripoff with a car. Uh <laughs> of, okay, of course, of course that exists. All right. Does does Duel count? Uh, yeah, I think Duel would count. That's Steven Spielberg movie. Mm-hmm. He did that with, before Jaws. Yeah. Yeah, he did before. Jaws. Oh, see, I don't know these things. I think it's actually a Steven Spielberg TV movie. It see, wasn't released. This is why Brucker thought that this was your movie, because you're like the horror movie guy. In my experience with a lot of horror movies, straight horror movies are all kind of paint by numbers for the most part. For me, I know Brucker's probably going to be mad at me for saying that. Oh, my but- goodness. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't want to cut you off right there. Okay. So... Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to get on my angry soapbox, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) so, so just getting to the point you said about, you know, thinking that this was maybe Scott's pick, but that's because my history with Scott, not just him being a fan of horror in general, but Scott has an affinity for inanimate objects coming to life and killing people because, because we've, so here's my history with you guys. Okay. Y'all came on my old show, and we we did, like, a draft. And, like, one of Scott's, like, fucking favorite movies was, like, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, like, one of the sequels. Oh, my God. He loves Don't rubber. Don't get him started. He's been on my show to talk about slacks, which is about evil pants that come to life. And now, <gasps> now here I am to talk about a car. And, Scott, I hope one of these days we get to talk about a movie with a, with a, with a human uh, antagonist. But um, this was um, – I'm surprised y'all got – that you guys, like, don't have, like, some sort of, like, kaiju podcast by this point. Um, but, uh, this is, um, so th- this is, this is Scott's MO. So I'm surprised, I guess maybe I shouldn't be cause it, it is a love connection. He found his soulmate that likes inanimate objects wreaking havoc on mankind as well. So oh my God. it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is though, th- that's not really, Scott's MO isn't necessarily inanimate objects coming to life and killing people. His MO is like shit movies that look like shit. That's why I picked up, I, that I'm also into. That's why I picked up the book in the first place. I'm like, haha, what a fun romp we'll have reading this stupid book about a car that comes to life. And it's like, so that I can understand. But yeah, I for, didn't you watch a fucking killer sofa movie? What was that called? Killer sofa. Oh my god. <laughs> Stop. I can't. I gotta go. I gotta go. Oh my god. No. Uh. Uh, like we said, this movie was directed by John Carpenter of you know Halloween fame of Escape from New York fame the thing etc etc and um, it was written by a guy named Bill Phillips this was his first theatrically released film and other than this he pretty much only did like TV movies 
I don't think the script is really much to snub. Well, actually, there are some really good lines in there that we talked about while we watched the movie. There's so many good lines. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, for the most part, it's kind of like run of the mill, like, okay, whatever. But there were like a couple of like vicious lines in there. I felt like one there. Yeah, I it- feel like I wrote some shit down that was good. Uh, the one where he goes... Parents are just trying to kill their kids, man. <laughs> oh, well, I think that was also the delivery from the actor as well. Yeah. The acting in this movie, that's what makes it work, is like they're all playing the straight. Like this fucking car is running around killing people, and we're all playing it straight. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because Carpenter is coming off the thing, mm-hmm. which actually got critically panned. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I saw as well, that this was not really a passion project for him. It was just a job because of, you know, he, he, he needed a rebound from, from the thing. And I was reading that he said that he didn't find the script to be particularly scary, like in any sense, but he just did it because, you know, he needed a paycheck. Yeah, I wasn't like, I don't know, did, maybe because I've seen it before. Did you get like spooky, scary feelings when you watch this? Either of you? No. I wouldn't say I did either. No, I didn't. And it's kind of like what you were saying, Frankie. It's kind of hard to be scared of a car. But um, <laughs> I wonder if I would have felt different if I cared about the characters that did get massacred. Because many of them were pricks and bullies and people I was hoping would die in this. So it was more of like, yeah, go get them, Christine. Um, so I wonder if I would feel differently if it was... Dennis's parents or his sister that we saw or, you know, innocent, more innocent people. That makes sense. Yeah. Can I say one of my favorite lines from this? Because <laughs> y'all talked about the dialogue in this. You know that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood meme with Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, The part where Arnie takes his car to the mechanic shop for the first time to, like, arrange to get it fixed or whatever... And the mechanic calls his car a mechanical asshole. And I went, oh, my God, that is brilliant. And I love it because in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Leonardo DiCaprio calls the car that uh, Tex and all the, the 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 crew is in when they're about to go kill everyone. He yells at them with his pitcher full of margaritas and he calls it a mechanical asshole. Look, Chief, you don't belong here. Now take this mechanical asshole and get it off my fucking street. It was literally me like doing that once upon a time in Hollywood and be like, oh, so that's where that's from. I've never heard mechanical oh asshole. Oh my before. god, I totally forgot about that too. That's so funny. <laughs> See, once in a while, like I feel like there's a couple of like little tiny gems of dialogue in this movie, but then for the like ninety percent of it, it's just like it does kind of come off like a TV movie script, oddly enough, a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, the whole time my fiance kept going, do high school boys really talk like this? And it was 90% of our like back and forth throughout the whole movie, <laughs> me confirming or denying the the actual uh, uh, trans- the transcript between the, the males in this movie. Well, it's funny because Stephen King, he's got such a like, storied career as an author, but all his like adaptations usually have something weird about them that you're like oh this is really off-putting yes <laughs> kubrick shining which we also did a review on the shining haha wink wink but th- that's like kind of an anomaly because it is it is kind of like the book but also not at all like the book <laughs> so it's kind of different but i get what you're saying yes <laughs> well i i always love uh his <laughs> maximum overdrive commercial <laughs> where he's just like high on cocaine going I will do Stephen King right. Me. <laughs> well, to, 
okay. Do we really need to specify that Stephen King was on cocaine at this particular time? I mean, we can pretty much guarantee he was on it at all times, at least at one point in his life. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, are, are we ready to get into the nitty gritty, gentlemen? I just wanted someone to do Stephen King right. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. So... We begin this magical tale in Detroit in the year 1957. We come up on a car factory. We see an assembly line of cars, all of which are boring and ugly, except for Christine, who is a beautiful red and white 1958 Plymouth Fury. And you get that awesome song bad i just love it so much because i always think of t2 it's so good (laughs) it's really the perfect way to start the movie which kind of leads me to bring up the the big difference between the book and the movie when you open this movie with this beautiful red car you see immediately that this car christine is different for whatever reason and you hear it bad to the bone you immediately kind of get the message that this car is evil (laughs) like something's fucked up with this car um and you get it throughout the whole opening but that is different than the book in the book the car is actually possessed by its previous owner which lived in the 1950s so that explains the whole 1950s jive but in this the car is just evil which i actually kind of prefer that for the most part i agree with you i was about to say i actually kind of like that it's ambiguous we don't really know why it's evil i kind of like i like that more it's it makes it a better kind of story the unknown is Right. The best part. So in this opening, we see a worker kind of like digging around in the hood of the car. And Christine slams the fucking hood down on the poor guy's hand. Then, of course, we get our first kill of the movie where another worker goes into the front seat and is, you know, pretending to drive around like he's hot shit. And then puts his cigar out on her seat. And then he's just miraculously dead. Ooh, spooky. Yeah, that's a that is a power of Christine. She can solve eyesight and cause aneurysms on command. Apparently, <laughs> the the one with the hood, I always laughed because it's kind of like a you can look, but you can't touch. Ooh. So from this opening, we get the sense that something something wicked this way comes, and then we cut to California in the year nineteen seventy eight. And we meet our two main male characters, Arnie and Dennis. We meet our nerd and our jock high school seniors who are BFFs. I wanted to mention the cast in this movie particularly because they cast all unknowns pretty much for the movie, which I appreciated. Yeah, I I can't say that's a bad thing. It saves on the budget. Oh, for sure. So... Arnie, who is our nerd, is played by Keith Gordon, who I actually did recognize him from another 80s movie that I feel like no one talks about, Legend of Billie Jean. I feel like no one knows what that is. But (laughs) um, he actually ended up directing a lot of TV episodes, including for House, Dexter, and Better Call Saul. So, And I think the other guy, Dennis, who's played by John Stockwell, he also ended up doing a lot of 
directing work too so neither one of them kind of like kept going with their acting career but you know they found they found hollywood joy in other things i guess good for them that's awesome but i did want to mention that kevin bacon was offered the role of arnie um, but he backed out when he got the offer for another really popular 80s movie that was probably the better decision (laughs) did he turn this down for tremors yeah Uh, oh my god imagine (laughs) uh tremors Oh, Tremors. Oh, man. I love Tremors. Uh, Kevin Bacon, I don't think, would have been good as Arnie in this. You got to you gotta get somebody that you feel like, yeah, his parents definitely punch him in the face. Yeah. Like, you know. For sure. Like, I think both of them really do a good job, but I think Arnie really is kind of the star of the show here as far as uh, acting chops, I think, because yeah. he has to really kind of... He has to show he's vulnerable. Yes. You know? And because he definitely presents himself as somebody that is vulnerable and somebody that is just it seems like it's him against the world at times Mm -hmm. you know and dennis is really his only ally and so once he finally meets this car and the plot progresses it's um it's it's just kind of interesting to see his character's arc throughout this yeah he has to really sell like the progression of his character the downfall i would say of his character but yes we meet arnie and dennis uh dennis goes and picks arnie up for school and we meet arnie's mom who's kind of a control freak asshole (laughs) yeah well yeah yeah and that's the thing about stephen king i don't know because i I haven't read any of his books but at least like the adaptations i've seen people are just always very mean in in his stories like and that's what i was sending out my fiance to watch this because she's not the biggest horror fan i was like all right so you know it's going to be a Stephen King thing. That means people are going to be really mean. So I just need you to prepare yourself for that. Yeah, there's definitely that. I mean, not all the characters, obviously. There's got to be a hero in there somewhere. But yeah, you're right. There's definitely a lot of overly nasty, including the bully in this movie. is like way over the top. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> well, he also likes bullies with switchblades, too. So the boys go to school and they meet the new girl lee who's played by alexandra paul one of the characters says a line that was so gross i wrote it down (laughs) he said she looks smart but has the body of a slut which is not a saying yeah that's not a thing people say (laughs) i'm like why she's also dressed very proper like she she (laughs) There's nothing scandalous about her outfit, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, she literally like, she literally looks like a totally normal, nice little girl. Like I don't understand what the problem is. <laughs> Yo, those knee high socks though. Yeah. She's asking socks. for it. But then her shorts literally meet at the kneecap. So like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. damn, she has whorish kneecaps. Oh my but, god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I love the term whorish kneecaps. It's my new fave. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, so we immediately get introduced also to the bully of the film, Buddy Repperton, and um, his little gang of assholes, and they're messing with Arnie. Dennis comes to like defend him and help him out, but this guy, okay, this fucking, I realize that in eighties movies where they're casting for like high school kids, a lot of times they cast older and like they clearly look older. This guy looks like he's fucking forty five years old. <laughs> like I don't know I, why they thought this was okay. 
it's insane but i think because we looked it up i think he was only 25 when he did this i was like man that's like a, I do, Amer- I do an not american 1983 25 which is like a 35 today i guess I don't yeah know, i don't but... believe that i would like to see a birth certificate sir i don't believe you we were saying he looked like a mix of john travolta from carrie and Val uh, Kilmer when he was playing Jim Morrison. <laughs> if he was been smoking since he was seven. Yeah, yeah. like legit. I don't even, ew. <laughs> and he's like overly nasty. Like Brucker was saying, he's literally like being so foul. And then he whips out a switchblade. And when the teacher catches him, he he's like, empty your pockets, you fucking idiot. You have a fucking knife. I know you do. He's like, no, I don't. You can't fucking make me do it. He just says fuck at one point, just in the middle of a sentence for no reason. He just like screams fuck. And it's like, okay, we get it. <laughs> and then during the tussle of all that, I think his his comrade, I think his name was Moochie. Was, was that a name in there? Oh, my God. Yes. Let's talk about Moochie. <laughs> Moochie, the dick grabber. Like, like what, <laughs> did you... S- this was that was like the note that we had. We kept calling him Dick Grabber the whole movie. I don't remember if that was in the book, but I feel like it had to be in the book because why else would you just put that in there? <laughs> John Carpenter just really needed that. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Like I don't know. I'm not a guy. I've never been in a, a fight or anything, but like I've never seen that in a fight before. <laughs> Where because Dennis goes to defend Arnie and the guy Moochie just grabs his junk and squeezes and it's like okay <laughs> that seems overboard I like to imagine the executives like getting the dailies from this like hey John it's going well one one note um the there's a there's a dick grabbing scene in this he goes yeah that's crucial to the fight that that's got to stay <laughs> it's just so like oddly like sexual in a way yeah it, it's yeah I mean he's grabbing his dick <laughs> I mean, I guess there's like undertones, perhaps, if you want to really dig into it that way. But I don't personally. I'm okay <laughs> if we don't. It's <laughs> it's really uncomfortable. It is. I thought maybe I was missing something because I again, not a guy, never been in a fight with a guy. But like, you, no, it's just not a thing. I guess. No. When you when you've been in scuffles in football, dear, in the old days when you played football, you never had a guy grabbing your nuts. No, I've never had a guy grab my nuts. I think I try to take out my kneecap, but that's that's your horror kneecaps. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know because like the, the point Scott was making, how like it kind of felt like there was this weird sexual tension. It's not even like sexual tension; it's like sexual assault ten- tension. This movie, the the male characters in this seem to have a lot of like pent up sexual aggression in this, and it's kind of being expressed in all sorts of different ways. And this is one of them. It was it was weird. So. After that nonsense, the bully buddy, which now that I think about it, is a very ironic name because he's not much of a buddy, is he? Arnie and Dennis are driving home from school and Arnie tells Dennis to stop the car, stop the presses because he sees Christine just chilling in some guy's like front lawn or something and she's looking like a shit show. She's all fucked up and dirty and filthy and gross and... Arnie wants to purchase her so he meets the guy that lives at the house named George LeBay and he's a creeper with a back brace which is <laughs> never explained it doesn't need to be explained in the book it's it's explained but it doesn't matter creepy guy is going to sell Arnie the car Dennis tries to stop him because he's like it's a piece of junk 
and it literally has 93,000 miles on it. Like, why? What are you Might doing? Might as well have been a billion in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Like, what's happening? I do like, Frankie, how you're kind of explaining how Christine is all broken down and beaten up and everything. I kind of like that obvious parallel to when Arnie finds her because his glasses were just destroyed that afternoon. And he's now wearing glasses being held together by tape. And so it's a cool... Me- metaphor and parallel between these two characters that they already have some sort of connection w- with that feeling broken right that's true yeah so arnie buys christine and um, he's gonna fix her up and he goes home to his parents and his parents are pissed that he bought this car without consulting them and the mom basically blames dennis which is stupid because it's he's like i tried to stop him what did you want me to do like tackle him like what do you want whatever it's so stupid but if you took out the beginning scene where like it's obvious that the car is evil you wouldn't have any indication yet that like something wicked this way comes you would just think that arnie is like this kind of repressed teen kid that like wants to break out from under the thumb of his controlling parents or whatever it is very interesting they are building this rebellious kind of youth thing with arnie it is very gradual I like the build of it. Yeah, because it has a natural progression because it just starts off with him arguing with his parents. The the argument that he has right there in the kitchen, like it it feels typical. Like it feels like a real argument that a high schooler would have with his parents. But his his lashing out of that felt out of character for Arnie specifically. So we're starting to already see Christine's effect on him. I I agree. But I, I I do agree with you also that the progression is natural for mm-hmm. sure because i feel like again the movie is taking like the book is taking a very like absurd premise and playing it totally straight and sometimes i feel like that doesn't work like i'm sure considering the fact that you are just the connoisseur of inanimate objects coming to life and killing people scotty um you know i'm sure that there are movies where that happens in that genre apparently that's a genre um (laughs) where like they try to play it straight and it doesn't work well just look at fucking maximum overdrive as goofy as hell as it is i think for the most part they do try to play it straight but it's goofy as a kid gets killed by like a fucking soda machine (laughs) okay (laughs) I don't know how to respond to that. I feel like there's no response to be given for that. But yes, that's that's the point of what I'm saying is that they're playing it straight and it's working, okay? In this particular instance, it's working. Yes, yes. So the parents are like, listen, we're not gonna let you keep this car in front of our house. It's a piece of shit. So Arnie takes the car to Darnell's garage and we meet the infamous owner, Darnell. Yeah, I think we've mentioned it before. Darnell is another crass, angry man. Vulgar, yeah. (laughs) He basically yells at Arnie, yells at Dennis, He's like, I ain't taking no shit from any youngsters. Yeah. The thing is, I do want to mention, like, in the book, I do like that despite the fact that there's a crazy killer car killing people, they focus a lot on the friendship between Arnie and Dennis. That's really, like, the heart of the story. And that does come across in this movie. 
I do like that Dennis is kind of with him along this whole journey and like he's really the first person that realizes like something's really off with Arnie and he even says to him after they take the car to the garage he drives Arnie back home and he says what is it about this car man and Arnie says a line that I wrote down. He said, Maybe it's just that for the first time in my life, I found something that's uglier than me. And Dennis is like, you're not ugly, man. <laughs> Don't say that about yourself. But I thought that that was interesting, too. Kind of connecting Arnie with Christine on that level, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they both see each other as projects. And I like the point you make because it's also smart to have that Dennis character because he's a litmus test, too. You know, so that we, the audience, see the progression of arnie because you know we see his reaction to it so he's kind of like our little meter of how weird he's acting because dennis starts to get weirded out by it so it's it's good to have that there too for the audience for those reasons then we kind of cut to the following month and arnie has been consistently working on the car at darnell's garage and they don't really emphasize it in the movie as much they show that arnie has started to work for darnell like around the garage but in the book it's kind of expanded more because darnell supposedly allegedly the garage is like a front for organized crime and that's that's kind of a red flag to dennis that something sketchy is going on with arnie because he's working for darnell and he thinks it's some sketchy activity but in the movie he magically has discarded his glasses he don't need those geeky ass glasses no more and he started dressing like a 50s greaser and listening to 50s music on the car radio. Because, you know, that's normal behavior. <laughs> and he's slowly popping his collar more and more. Yeah, the collar is progressively getting bigger. <laughs> so every, like scene of the movie. Dennis eventually finds out that the guy who previously owned the car died in it along with his wife and child. So Dennis goes back to George LeBay, who sold him the car and was like, what the fuck, bro? And he's like, oh, the car changed my brother and made him act all strange and da 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 da. And he, he loved that car. And that's basically just adding to the spookiness of the car. There was a line here that he does say that I feel like gets kind of overlooked a little bit here. He does say that he forced him to sell the car after his wife killed herself in it. Mm -hmm. And then the car came back a few weeks later. There's a bunch of different reads that you can have for Christine in this because, I mean, that, you know, she, I'm talking to she, like the car. Christine gets. Oh, but, you know, very... but it is a she. They never, Arnie's always calling her a she. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They do make that very clear. And Christine represents, you know, just jealousy in relationships. Um, it's, it's also kind of like what comes along with a lot of super jealous partners is some sort of. You know, like mental abuse sometimes and it makes sense that you know that's kind of like a read you could have there that christine is just kind of like this abusive partner and she just keeps coming back oh yeah i definitely agree with that i also think the movie overall it's in a weird way a coming of age story at least for arnie it's it's a sad coming of age story for arnie but it is because it kind of sends a message of if you shelter your kids forever, then they're going to be more vulnerable and susceptible to fuckery when they leave the nest. Absolutely. And they really presented the home life to kind of be like that hostile fostering. Cause, and I was kind of like trying to pay attention to the colors of the cars in this. 
you know, Christine's obviously red, and red normally traditionally, you know, is like, you know, hot rods, super fast cars, freedom, just pedal to the metal sort of vibe. Dennis has a blue car, which is like very, you kind of think like blue is like a calming, relaxing, comforting color. But then his mom's car is yellow. And don't they say like, you know, never paint babies' rooms yellow because it's like a very like aggressive color and like, or like it really freaks babies out. And so that's kind of like what I was thinking about this. Like, oh, like he's coming from this household from just knowing that and seeing how his mom treats him like all of this just kind of makes sense yeah i didn't know that it's very interesting also when dennis is kind of like doing his investigating about christine because he's like very suspicious and things he ends up going to the garage i would assume to see arnie but he's not there christine is there and he notices i don't know if you picked up this scott or you brucker but the speedometer had gone backwards yes. okay i wanted to make the joke that she spent a couple of days in uh cameron's loft in ferris bueller <laughs> oh god <laughs> my dad's gonna kill me do you know what my diastolic is be a man does ferris bueller's day off and christine share a cinematic universe this is like yeah this is like a fucked up version of <laughs> yeah ferris is in the other side of the school <laughs> so because we have a jock named dennis in the movie who's a football guy, we got to have the football game. You know, it's a typical high school movie with typical high school things happening, including the big game. But during this football game, Arnie pulls up with a perfectly renovated Christine. Oh, yes, a pristine Christine, one might say. Ah. And he's got the new hot girl on his arm. Dennis is so distracted by the fact that nerdy fucking Arnie with his no glasses <laughs> and popped collar <laughs> is making out with the new hot girl that he is unknowingly tackled by some other guy and he like breaks his fucking back and his legs and he almost gets paralyzed. It's very traumatizing. <laughs> This also happens in the book, and like in the movie, Dennis is basically out of the picture for like a good 30 minutes because <laughs> he's in the hospital recovering. This eventually leads to Arnie slowly going more and more crazy. He goes to the fucking drive-in of his girlfriend who doesn't want to be in the car. <laughs> yeah, even she is getting bad vibes from the car. But it's weird because... In the movie, it comes off more like legitimate jealousy. Like, oh, who do you spend more time with, me or the car? You like the car more than me. And it's like, okay, that's kind of like a weird stance to take. But in the book, they kind of make it clear that, like, she gets bad, like, spoopy vibes from the car. Which, by that point in the book, we're all getting spoopy vibes from the car. So it's not that weird. But Christine does cause Lee to choke on a cheeseburger. It's so weird. Like, when you say that line, when you say the car made her choke on a hamburger, even watching the scene, like, if you put different music over that scene, it would look like a fucking joke. It would look like at a birdemic or something. But because because it's Christine and because it's John Carpenter, it does look genuinely harrowing. Both Lee and Arnie keep trying to open the car door and they can't until some random guy just pulls the other door open, pulls Lee out of the car and gives her the Heimlich. Yeah, Christine doesn't want any competition. I did want to mention the soundtrack choices here too are kind of funny. In this moment with the with the burger and the other moment with Dennis trying to get into Christine, 
the car radio comes on and plays specific 50s songs and it's like very apropos i liked that choice that they did that well yeah uh when dennis is trying to get in the car it's uh keep on knocking but you can't come in yeah 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 i don't remember what it was when he was killing uh lee it wouldn't make sense at all, but it would have been amazing if there's like a McDonald's like commercial, like yeah. a because <laughs> she's choking on a cheeseburger. And it makes it worse because Arnie is kind of an asshole to Lee, even after she just almost fucking died in his car. <laughs> she's like, "You saw what just happened, right? Like the lights went crazy and the car door went open. Like that's that's not a thing that happens, right? Are we on the same page?" And he's like, "No, you're just sexually frustrated." <laughs> and it's like, "Whoa, we're taking a hard left into asshole town." Yeah, this was. I mean, this was kind of like. Not like the nail in the coffin, but this was like, okay, this dude has fully just like decided to die on this hill of being a douchebag. And it really, I mean, the whole relationship with Lee really shows how much Arnie has devolved. Because in the very beginning of the movie, like one of the first conversations that he and Dennis have is like how Dennis wants to get Arnie laid. And Arnie is just like so shy and timid. He's like, no, it's okay. It's fine. We don't need to do that. I'm good. (laughs) It's okay. My left hand is fine. He literally says, I'll just beat off. (laughs) So Lee and Arnie basically break up. And um, in the meantime, Buddy Repperton, remember the 40-year-old high school student? Well, he wants revenge. So he's going to go into Darnell's garage and beat the holy hell out of Christine. And they don't say who it was because it's Buddy Repperton and his little gang of idiots. But I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say Moochie Welch is the one that shit on Christine's dashboard. I, I think that's a good yes. and I have I have a reason for that, but I don't want to spoil stuff that's coming on in a little bit. So um, I, when we get there, I'll just I'll put a pin in that. All right. Well, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there and we'll hear your evidence of why Moochie. It was Moochie the dick grabber that shot on my car. This is, uh, you know, this movie is vulgar. <laughs> and that's me. I say fuck every third word, but even me, I'm like, all right. <laughs> this is getting old. <laughs> there's going to be like maybe 20 minutes of this as usable. Um, there's... I mean, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I now really want like a noir, like Maltese Falcon like movie that's about finding uh, Moochie the dick grabber that shat on someone's car. Like that that's the mystery of it. That's everything. Actually. I gotta hire a dick to find the dick grabber. Yeah. Oh, that's literally everything. <laughs> Do you think he the actor looks back at this movie and goes, Yeah, that's me. I grabbed that guy's dick. I bet you're wondering how I got into this situation. Oh, I thought you talked about this shit thing. He goes he goes, I can't believe they cut that seat. I shat on there for nothing. <laughs> oh my god that dude you were shooting a totally different movie that day oh this wasn't a porno yeah. oh oh sorry so oh gosh the dudes do the john carpenter's like hey whoa yeah, i said cut, like, cut, cut, cut. no Stop it. god damn it this is why we put 15 cars in the budget because you keep wiping your ass oh with them oh my god <laughs> i can't i can no longer so um, after Christine gets beat to shit, Brucker, we I think we broke Brucker, but it's fine. We're going to soldier through. So um, so Arnie obviously sees that Christine is beat to shit the next day and he's devastated, bugs the fuck out. He goes to Darnell's to start fixing the car. And then we finally get some legitimate confirmation that this car is evil. 
Christine, right in front of Arnie, just magically fixes herself and becomes brand spanking new in a matter of seconds. And literally, Arnie's reaction is just like, okay. <laughs> and that's it. That's the scene. I think he's like rock hard in this scene. I'm sorry to be oh, vulgar shit. again. But I mean, <laughs> yes. like the the sexual tension in this was palpable. I don't. Like, yeah, he's like ready. Because like, you know, the way that Carpenter frames it, they have Arnie stand in front of, you know, legs spread out. And then like the... The, the headlights beam on him and everything. And he just goes, okay, show me. And the way we see the car inflate back to life, it looks like a, it, it's like, am I, am I watching like a, is this how cars like do like strip teases? Like what is happening right now? There is weird sexual, t- it's like fucking, it's like that show, Strange Addiction, where the guy's like married to the car. It's basically like this movie. But just like grosser somehow. Scott is speechless. Scott is vomiting <laughs> in the corner about all this. Scott, we're all broke. This movie has broken all of us and it's fine. We're only like, I still have uh, two two pages of notes. So we're we're not even done. Well, just to get us back on uh, like cool things. The okay. shot- <laughs> you don't think a car strip tease is cool, Scott? Where do you live? <laughs> Grow up, man. Uh, but... The car reforming itself is such a cool shot because it's actually the car being crushed by hydraulics and then played in reverse for us. That's so cool. I love it when movies do that. They just like they show the 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 film but it's in reverse. I love that trick. Yeah. You know like if they did that now, like it would be all like CGI. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Which is no fun. I mean it is in some cases, but like when you can do it practically, just do it practically. Speaking of if they did it now, apparently in uh, at some point last year, Blumhouse announced they were going to do a remake of Christine. So get ready for that, kids. Don't you want more of this? <laughs> so after we get this, like, you know, full frontal, for lack of a better word, of Christine, <laughs> and we realize how evil she is, we start with Christine's rampage of revenge. And um, we start with Ball Grabber McGee, fucking Moochie, which, by the way, that can't be his real name. That can't be on his birth certificate. <laughs> That's got to be a nickname. But for what? Like, I don't know. Fucking Moochie is just, like, walking around aimlessly somewhere well, no, he's, in town. He, he's dropped off at a parking garage. That's what I'm saying. Like, where are you going? <laughs> He's just walking around a parking structure for reasons. And then Christine shows up. And of course, Moochie thinks that Arnie's in the car. But uh, spoilers, he's not. Christine starts chasing Moochie down. And I really liked the shot in the scene where he's running down this alley and it's like lit up by Christine's headlights. And it's just you just see like Moochie running into like blackness. It's pretty cool. Well, I think the coolest part is they blacked the windshield so you don't know if arnie's there but yeah i love that when he chases moochie down into this little like crevice that christine technically can't fit in oh she finds a way she sucks it in squeezes right into that dress bitch well see this is the point i was going to make to where i think that this whole scene right here it's all kind of just like squeezing out a turd imagery and i think that's like why i think it's, it's like the hint oh that, that's why you think yeah that's, that's why i think Bucci, uh, shat on her because like this whole thing kind of has that similar imagery in a way that's actually like 
That's brilliant. That's hilarious. That's true. <laughs> Christine crushes the shit out of Moochie. Good riddance. So another month has gone by and we meet Detective Junkins, played by Harry Dean Stanton, who this is the fifth time that he's been on our show. We did episodes on Cool Hand Luke, Alien, Pretty in Pink, Green Mile, and now Christine. <laughs> so Harry Dean Stanton just won't leave us the fuck alone. The man's in 145 movies. There's a good chance he'll show up a couple times. He's investigating Moochie's murder. And after Junkins kind of interrogates Arnie, we cut right back to Christine on her rampage of death. She fucking causes like an insane gas station explosion that kills the other fucking idiots in Buddy Repperton's gang. And then Buddy Repperton, fucking 45-year-old <laughs> high school senior, gets chased by a flaming Christine. Dude, that's awesome. It was so rad. This is probably my favorite shot of the movie. It was so cool. I saw a behind-the-scenes thing with the, the stunt driver who's like, yeah... I couldn't see. I had an oxygen tank on because the, all the fire was sucking out all the oxygen. But I was fine. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, the things people do for their art. <laughs> oh, so then we get fucking asshole Darnell's death scene, which was like both good and not good at the same time, I feel like. <laughs> well, Christine comes in smoking. 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 <laughs> I love how we all did that. <laughs> and Darnell's like, something's up somebody must have stolen christine blah blah blah. yeah he thinks someone else is in the car so he takes this shotgun then when he gets the door open sees no one's in there decides to sit in the car it's clearly smoldering car it's weird but i think it's like part of again christine kind of just like transfixes men for for whatever reason she's like a little siren mm -hmm. yes yes exactly I, th I feel like, Scott, you had a problem with just, like, the death itself because it was kind of underwhelming. And I would kind of agree with you. Yeah. Although, to be fair, there's, like, a very limited amount of ways, I feel like, that a car can kill somebody other than, like, run it over and, <laughs> like, make someone choke on a burger. He wasn't eating a burger at the time, so he had to <laughs> Christine had to improvise. Well... Like I was, I was hoping like as Darnell would be kind of be poking, and Christine would like smash the car door into Darnell or something, and like crush his head or something. It was just like a weird like, oh, I'm just gonna push you into the wheel until like your back breaks. Is that was that? I, I, I was, was, I was guessing on? his ribs cracked. And yeah, then it, like just came in. Yeah, I there wasn't a lot of pomp and circumstance like compared to running Buddy Repperton over with a flaming vehicle and then going to that. It was kind of like a weird underwhelming i get what you're saying how i thought it was going to play out was that as she's you know cranking the seat closer and closer to crush him i thought it was going to be a situation where like the shotgun is going to be in front of him and he's going to is she was going to force him to misfire and shoot himself see that would be interesting too that would have worked but they cut to the next day arnie comes to the garage and christine is perfectly fine yeah and uh junkins is again suspicious as fuck of arnie again because you know dead guy in his car that's a thing so after this we cut to basically another month has gone by and we're at new year's eve hooray hurrah and dennis is back home from the hospital he's he's back in the movie now kids and 
Lee, who, again, has broken up with Arnie by this point, but she still cares about him and feels bad and, like, wants to help him. She realizes something's wrong with him, too. So she calls Dennis and is like, hey, we got to talk about Christine. I know we don't talk about Bruno, but we got to talk about Christine. Um, <laughs> fuck my life. That was a terrible joke, but I'm going to stick with it. It's fine. Don't look at me like that, Scott. It's fine. We're we're all okay. Um, <laughs> um, so she comes over to his house and they talk about uh, Christine. You see, and um, Dennis basically is like, "Listen, he's my best friend. We're gonna hang out New Year's tonight. I'm gonna talk to him." he's gonna be fine don't worry about it lee everything's gonna be fine and she's like oh the car won't let you talk to him she sounds crazy dennis is at least being cool about this lee sounds fucking crazy <laughs> but i i did want to mention that in the book um at this point when dennis and lee kind of come together to try to help arnie they basically are still investigating christine's like origins and trying to figure out what the hell's going on throughout that process they actually begin a relationship oh and arnie eventually finds out about it in the book and then that's why they think that christine's going to come after them and they have to destroy christine before she kills them that's the thing in the book but um yeah they apparently get it on in the book which is you know why that didn't happen here i mean there's enough sex in this movie to fill like about five movies so yeah and also like carpenter he already did halloween he's like i don't need i don't need to be the director that has like teenage characters fucking in every movie i do i, I we, we could skip this part yeah <laughs> i don't want to be that guy <laughs> i was already uncomfortable with the dick grab but they told me to keep it <laughs> over the close stuff is okay just no Jeez, you know Elise. But yes, after this, um, Lee leaves the house. Arnie comes to pick up Dennis, and they have this really intense scene driving and Christine together. Yeah, Dennis is trying to like talk to Arnie, and initially he goes, "Oh, so we got the old rust bucket tonight?" And Arnie's like, "Be careful what you call Christine; she's sensitive." But it's also like Arnie's drinking and driving. They're not even wearing seatbelts. I don't know. I don't know if they were or not, but it just seems like the kind of thing they would do. Well, Christine's in control now. He doesn't have to drive. Oh, yeah. He makes a whole point of, like, letting go of the wheel and basically, like, playing chicken on the road. (laughs) And Dennis is like, what the fuck are you doing? I just broke my fucking legs and was in the hospital for months. Like, can we not fuck around? (laughs) He he could tell. Arnie's gone. Yeah, Arnie is pretty much completely devolved into madness. He has a really great monologue in the scene that I I loved. I feel like in another movie, maybe with another actor, it would have come across as like silly and stupid. But in these circumstances with this actor and this director, it it was genuinely kind of chilling. You know, when someone believes in you, man, you can do anything, any fucking thing in the entire universe. And when you believe right back in that someone, then watch out, world, because nobody can stop you. Then nobody ever. So after this point, we cut to, I guess, like, the next day, next couple of days, whatever. Dennis, I thought this was kind of dumb. Dennis, like, sneakily goes up to Christine in the parking lot and carves into Christine Darnell's tonight. And it's like, that's stupid. <laughs> like, basically challenging the car to, like, fight him. Oh, I could, so was this... 
Oh, okay. So I didn't like interpret it that way. And that's way more interesting because so the way you kind of describe it is that like this was a message to Christine to know where to go, not so much to Arnie. Well, oh, well, I think in, in I think in Dennis's mind, I mean, it could be a, a call to Arnie, too. But I think in Dennis's mind, it's more to Christine because he thinks I mean, I don't know. It could well, have been either way. Well, if you think about it, because when they're setting up for the final battle, Lee does mention you think Arnie will show up. And Dennis goes, Christine will. Yeah, if Arnie doesn't, Christine will. That makes way more sense. That's what I was thinking. Because I just assume at this point, Dennis has come to the conclusion that like something supernatural is going on with this car. Something spooky-ooky is going on. The whole bulldozer thing. I was just thinking, man, if this came out today, people would be like, we didn't see his training for this. <laughs> yeah, Dennis and Lee go to the garage and they plan on destroying Christine by crushing her with a bulldozer. Pretty uh, immediately, Christine shows up. She runs around trying to run Lee over. It's actually a cool shot here because Dennis is blocking Lee with the bulldozer so Christine can't get to Lee. And the way the front end has been damaged, it looks like a mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a little silly, but, like, at this point, I mean, you know, we're at the final We're at the final act here. We're in the last big hurrah. Arnie literally drives Christine into Darnell's office to try and kill Lee, and he ends up fucking flipping through the front windshield and getting impaled on a fucking shard of glass, and Arnie dies. So what I also found kind of, like, weird and disturbing is that when Arnie dies which by the way is actually genuinely really sad because throughout the movie you know Arnie's acting like an asshole but you also know that it's not really Arnie and you feel bad for him so when he dies like you know it's just I felt really sad but uh Christine plays like a little sad song for him (laughs) on the radio which is kind of funny and weird (laughs) it's like i'll forever love you and it's like okay (laughs) i gotta go (laughs) thank you for sticking your dick in my tailpipe oh please stop oh my god jesus christ help me okay so oh my goodness (laughs) this is the thing so after this like lee and dennis you know, they hop into the bulldozer and they run fucking Christine over a million times and she's fucking destroyed. Whatever. Life is beautiful. The thing is, um, I like the ending in the book more and I'll tell you why. So in the book, first of all, Arnie is not there. Arnie is on a, <laughs> funnily enough, he's on a college like visiting trip with his parents in a totally other fucking car. <laughs> That's why Dennis and Lee choose that time to kill Christine so Arnie won't be there to try and stop them. So they kill Christine, right? And supposedly the spirit of the guy leaves the car and tries to go back and repossess Arnie while he's driving on the road with his parents. Arnie tries to, like to stop the guy from repossessing him and he's like fighting him off and in order to fight him off and stop the madness, he basically derails the car and like drives the car off a fucking cliff with his parents so he and his parents both die tragically but he does it basically to save everyone from fucking this evil possessing guy that killed a bunch of people (laughs) interesting 
I thought it was like a heroic moment that he didn't want this guy to possess him anymore. Because even though in his mind, this persona that he took on when the guy was possessing him did make him, I guess, more cool for a while. He didn't want to be that guy anymore, be that asshole. He wanted to be himself and he didn't want the guy to hurt anybody anymore through him. So he killed himself to stop it. Which I think is a more heroic death than the one he got in the movie. That's all I'm saying. Arnie really doesn't get any redemption in the movie. Yeah, that that's true. Oh, that's interesting. I'm kind of... I don't know which one I like more now that you kind of explained it to you. But uh, that's that's definitely pretty interesting. And uh, like you said, that is definitely a more heroic death scene. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm not sure which one I like more. Because I kind of like that Arnie doesn't get out of this like unscathed. Because... You know, they could have done the cheesy thing of his friends, you know, save the day. They kill Christine and, oh, Arnie's all back to normal and it's just Arnie. And, you know, he has no consequences for his actions. But um, and I'm glad that they didn't do that. I think the tragedy is better because it's just, it's just sad because you wanted to save Arnie. Because even though we only got a little time of Arnie as, you know, Arnie in the beginning... It's sad because you're like, you want to save the guy. You want him to be, you know, an okay. And these two characters who are trying to save him ultimately fail. Right. And now they have to live with the fact that they could not save their friend. Well, either way, they do that. Like, in the book, they do that and they lament about it, like, endlessly in the book. But the reason I like the book's ending better is because it's essentially the same as the movie, but... Arnie gets like a little heroic moment of redemption in a way of his old self, which was nice. I thought anyway. Yeah. But at the end, the car is crushed, but is Christine dead? They have a funny fake out where like a guy is walking through the fucking junkyard with a big boom box playing fifties music, which why, why are you doing that? But also, (laughs) they think it's Christine. That is a good fake out. And then it's, they leave and then you see like the little block of Christine like twitch a little bit, which is kind of like da da da, which they also do in the book. Of course. They have it like left kind of open-ended if Christine is still alive. I don't know why, but I want to fuck that block of metal. Like it's just. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) For like a split second, I thought you were talking as Brucker and not in a sarcastic way. I'm like, what's this, what has this movie done to you? I got scared. Well, I think also at the end, George Farrowgood, the guy who sings Bad to the Bone, was supposed to be the, the construction worker. Oh, really? That would have been funny. But uh, he had to drop out, like, I think last minute due to, like, scheduling conflict. Oh, that's a bummer. But it does end on Bad to the Bone again, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that was Christine. <laughs> Quite a, a fun and filthy romp <laughs> with Christine. So, gentlemen, final thoughts, our ratings. What, how are we feeling? Who wants to go first? Well, we, of course, let our wonderful guests go first. So, th- this is really good, and I think on Letterboxd I gave this 4 out of 5, and that might have been possibly a tad high. I just really, really, really like this. But So, I think I'm going to go with um, th- 3.5 out of 5. I, I think that this is a pretty good movie. There aren't really too many points I have against it, um, and it's it was a fun movie. 
I, I 100% agree with you. I also gave it a three and a half out of five. I think it's a lot of fun, the killer car concept. It's good. The Descent into Madness for Arnie, I think he does a pretty good job with that. I, I, I had a good time. That's the thing. It's a good movie to have a good time with. Yeah. This this is going to be a royal flush, gentlemen. I also gave it a three and a half. Yes. I would say I like the book better than the movie, but like not by much. I think they're both very well done and a fun time. Overall, I think this movie takes a ridiculous premise and by incorporating it with good characters that you care about and are invested in um, and, you know, some fun kills, I think it makes it not as ridiculous and actually a genuinely fucking good horror movie. Yeah, that's that's my thoughts. Awesome. So we want to thank our good friend Brucker from Autopsy of a Horror Movie. Please check out his podcast because it is a great dissection of many much horror movies that actually makes me want to watch more horror movies. And that's saying something because I'm not a fan generally. But um, Brucker, you want to just give us like a quick wrap up of where everyone can find you? Yes, thank you, Scott and Frankie, again for having me on. It is always a pleasure. And folks at home, I promise I am not this vulgar on my show. <laughs> um, no, his show is definitely more classy than ours, but it's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, it was just a subject matter. But, um, but again, thank you for having me on. Yes, you can find Autopsy of a Horror Movie anywhere you find podcasts: Spotify, iTunes, Pocket Cast, wherever. And you could follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brucker Horror. And, um, yeah, share me with friends and be sure to pop by. But next week, we're going to return to a much lighter topic (laughs) of uh, MCU. We're going to do another MCU movie. Very exciting. Um, Absolutely zero shitters in (laughs) the Marvel movie that we will be discussing next week. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at ShootTheFlick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our thunderous, excitable movie adventure. That's a hint, kids. Bring the hammer down. Oh, boy. Spay and neuter your pets. I'll see you next time. Be my